Hey, everybody. I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome to Unnatural. Yes, our last episode before a quick break that we're going to have. It's only a one-week break because, Emily, let's face it, we want to spend time with our families during the holiday season. We do, because we like our families sometimes. Yeah. and But I will say that if you want more Unnatural, you can always go over to our Patreon page and check out some of the bonus content there if you're really fixing for your unnatural stuff during the holiday season. Again, we'll be back in just a couple of weeks, but we've got a brand new episode this week. And Emily, I want to give a shout out to one of our favorite listeners and supporters, Latroya. Now, Latroya gave me this idea for this episode. And Emily, Latroya and I go way back We actually used to work together at my very first job. And I don't think I've ever discussed with you what my very first job was. So why don't you take a crack at it? Why don't you guess as to what my first job was with LaTroya? How old were you? I was 16 through 19. Dairy Queen. Okay, that's not a bad guess. It was a Hardee's. I was so close. My yeah. very first job was a Dairy Queen, so I thought was maybe, it? yeah. I loved, I mean, there was a lot of parts about fast food that I did not love, like the customers mainly, but I love the goofing around and getting free food and that kind of thing. Yeah, my boss put a picture of Jesus on the top of like the fry warmer and it said, thou shalt not steal fries. Hmm. Did it we work? Still, no. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work at all. Yeah. I used to make homemade donuts at Hardee's. We would like take the biscuit dough and then put like cinnamon sugar on it and stuff and put it in the fryer and make donuts out of it. Oh, mm-hmm. it's amazing. Sometimes I wonder if that picture in commandment is still there. Maybe. I should ask. It, that Dairy Queen's still there? Yeah. Maybe the picture's Same still owner, there. too. You should do a deep dive on that and report back to us after the holidays. Uh-oh. I have faith in you, literally, just like Jesus does. Today, Emily, we're traveling back to 1965. Now, just for fun, I looked up some of the big events of that year. The biggest movie of 1965 was The Sound of Music. Hmm. With the sound sound of music. That is the extent of my knowledge on that movie. That part right there that you just said. Don't they sing the Do, Re, Mi, Fa, oh, Sol, La, Ti yeah. song? Yeah, I like that song. Okay. Yeah, I was wrong. Proven wrong already. I liked it when I was a kid. I haven't watched it since I was a kid. So the biggest musical act of 1965, no surprise, it was the Beatles. The Voting Rights Act was passed in the U.S., which is a pretty damn important piece of legislation. The Vietnam War was just starting to heat up, and... The growing city of Indianapolis, Indiana, was shoved into the national spotlight when word began to get out about a murder that was so gruesome and sadistic, it's still ingrained in Indiana's minds to this day. This is the story of the slow and torturous death of Sylvia Likens.
Olivia Likens was born in January of 1949, and she was the middle child of five kids. In fact, the two older siblings were twins, and her two younger siblings were twins. That's got to kind of really be a middle child syndrome there, I'm guessing. And her mom and dad, Lester and Betty, they seemed like very loving parents, but they didn't make a whole lot of money. And they were quite often on the road as they worked in the carnival circuit. Did they work with Lobster Boy? I don't think they were with Lobster Boy. (laughs) I I don't think they crossed paths, but I did think of Lobster Boy when I was covering this. Um, On a day in July of 1965, Lester and his two sons headed out to work one of their carnivals. Now, occasionally during the summer months, Sylvia would travel with them. But for this trip she would stay behind. And that's mainly because she was in charge of taking care of her younger sister, Jenny, who had recently undergone a bad bout with polio and now was walking with a limp. Polio was really, really big back then. It it was just a terrible, terrible disease. Yeah. And you might be asking, well, what about Betty? What about the girl's mom, right? Right. Well, her and Lester had recently separated And right around the time that Lester was heading out for another carnival tour, Betty was arrested and thrown in jail for shoplifting. As fate would have it, one day, not too long after their mom had been arrested, the girls who at this point were kind of fending for themselves, they went over to their friend's house from school. Her name was Paula Beneshevsky. And they just went over there there to listen to some records and do what teenage girls do. And Paula eventually told her mom, 37-year-old Gertrude Banaszewski, what was going on with the two girls. Mm -hmm. And the mom agreed to take them in for the night. Now, the very next day, the girl's dad, Lester, was briefly back in town. And he had some good news. He and their mom had... Yeah, they had patched things up. Yay. And apparently, I don't know, maybe uh, the shoplifting mm. kind of rejuvenated their love for one another or something. I'm not sure. But they patched things up and it was decided that when their mom got out of jail and he returned from the carnival tour, that the family would all hit the road together and work the carnivals and the kids would kind of be homeschooled, which sounds like a pretty goddamn interesting life. That's for sure. Hit the road, Jeff. <laughs> Don't you come back no more, no more, no more. Yeah, especially for all the, you know, the little young whippersnappers. Just little kiddos running around in the car. That's true. How there fun. was quite a few of them. How exciting. There was quite a few of them, all five of them. And so he, here's the thing. He made a deal with Gertrude to watch over his two daughters until he returned. And he said he would provide her money while he was gone. And... Unfortunately, that would prove to be the worst mistake of his and both of his daughter's lives. Oh, no. So now on the outside looking in, you might be thinking the girls kind of caught a lucky break here because their mom's in jail and Lester's on the road. But if Lester had done a little bit more due diligence before he hit the road, he might have noticed some things that uh, were a little off. He might have noticed that Gertrude already had seven kids of her own and she was a single mom. And her oldest daughter, Paula, 
was 17 years old and her youngest son was a one-year-old named baby Dennis. So quite the contrast there in between kids. And it wasn't even a suitable living place for the family that Gertrude had. I mean, it was pretty much a dump that they lived in and adding two more teenage girls to it just made things worse. But at first, things seemed to really be going pretty great. The two teenage girls mainly hung out with Paula and her 15-year-old sister, Stephanie, where they would go upstairs and listen to the latest 45s at the time, like the Rolling Stones' Satisfaction, the Beatles' Help, and My Girl from The Temptations. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not Not just just anybody. anybody. Help. So their first punishment actually came a few weeks later. Punishment? Yeah. So remember when I told you Lester had agreed to pay Gertrude for the girls to stay there? Yeah. Well, he agreed to pay her $20 a week. And for the first couple of weeks, the money was coming in. But apparently after two or three weeks, he missed a payment. And the girls paid the ultimate price for this. Now, Gertrude, she was a piece of work. Um, She was quite possibly and probably bipolar. And she was popping all kinds of pills like they were Pez. (laughs) Seriously. And she freaked the fuck out when she didn't get the $20 that week. And she threw both of the girls into an empty room where she took a large wooden paddle and beat the hell out of them until they could barely even walk. Over $20? Yeah. Now, I'm sure you've heard, I've heard, back in the day, things were different. Right. Kids were spanked more often. Uh, Kids were beat. But nothing to this extent. No. And it certainly doesn't justify it. Because, you know, when you hear those stories, I'm so sick of those stories, by the way. Well, I was beat as a kid and I turned out great. And then you actually look at the person and you're like, did you, Greg? No, you didn't. Did you really turn out great? You're actually a piece of shit. You have no coping mechanisms. You hate women. Right. And that's why you treat them like shit. Like, are you okay? Have you been to therapy? You should try it. Yeah. I've never adhered to that philosophy that, oh, it's good to get beat. That's bullshit. That's absolute bullshit. But we digress. So she went into another rage not so far after that one. She found that the girls had bought candy with a small amount of money that they had kind of scrounged together. They got the money from collecting bottles and retrieving them, taking them back to the collection center and getting a few pennies for them. So. As any kids would do, what would you do with the money? You buy candy, right? Absolutely. And things really at this point only got worse, particularly for 16-year-old Sylvia, who she hadn't been eating very much while she was at the house. And she took advantage when she was at a church luncheon Mm -hmm. and she just overindulged and gorged herself. Just... Eating whatever she could. Right. 
And by this point, Gertrude's children had kind of started to turn on Sylvia as well because, well, they knew that they would be in kind of a good standing with their mother if they ratted Sylvia out for doing anything wrong. Mm-hmm. And when they told their mom about Sylvia's overeating at this church luncheon, which seems, uh, I mean, pretty, pretty tame. I mean, who cares, right? Yeah. Well, Gertrude made Sylvia eat rotten food that was in the refrigerator Ew. that entire evening, evening. And she also gave her a hot dog. But she put every kind of condiment known to man on it and condiments that would never actually be on a hot dog. Just all kinds of crazy stuff on there. And she she made her eat it. And not surprisingly, Sylvia threw it up. Yeah, because a hot dogs are gross to begin with. Agreed. I am very anti hot dog. Yeah, me too. But then what I'm just picturing like like ketchup and mustard and chocolate Mm -hmm. syrup and strawberry syrup and mayonnaise mayonnaise yeah anything you could think of barbecue sauce i i don't i'm very anti i i think i was probably like 11 and i figured out what was in hot dogs and i've basically avoided them ever since (laughs) if people don't know just google it yeah same just google what's inside a hot dog and Chances are you might not want to eat one again. Do you like corn dogs? I will eat one occasionally. Like around fair time? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, at uh, Steel County Fair. Yeah. Something like that. But um, but otherwise? Regular hot dogs, not so much. Especially after the pig farmer killer episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. So she made her eat all of that. And not surprisingly, Sylvia just threw it all up. Mm-hmm. But Gertrude then forced her to not only clean Don't. up her own. I know. She forced her to not only clean up her own vomit. Don't say it. I'm going to say it. <laughs> she made her eat mm. every last drop of it. And Mm-mm. look, I've never eaten vomit, but. I mean, everybody's vomited before, and you know that feeling in your mouth. I can't imagine ingesting that again. I mean, it tastes bad enough coming up. (laughs) Right. Can you imagine putting it back down? Uh, For me, it would probably come back up again. Yeah. Um, Yep. And Gertrude's excuse was she didn't want to waste the food. Well, maybe you don't put all this shit on the hot dog then. How... You eat it. Right. You eat this poor girl's vomit if you don't want the food to go to waste. The fuck? Yeah, exactly. Get out. Get the fuck out of here. Lady. So slowly, Gertrude started involving her kids, her other kids, more and more in Sylvia's abuse. It's Mm. almost like she was getting off on it. And the the abuse was primarily focused on Sylvia because... It's said that Gertrude was kind of jealous of her beautiful looks. She was a beautiful girl. And also, she was very smart. She was jealous of her quick intellect, too. And she kind of wanted to knock her down a few pegs because she was just a horrible person in general. 
One day, Gertrude and her daughter learned that back in the spring, Sylvia had had a boyfriend, as many 16-year-olds do. Yeah. And Gertrude immediately accused Sylvia of being pregnant, even though it sounds like it was just this sort of puppy love, teenage romance kind of thing. And there was no sex involved whatsoever. But Gertrude began kicking her hard in the genitals. And her daughter, Paula, who ironically was pregnant herself three months, began kicking. Did she know this? Yeah, she knew. Yeah, I I guess the rules didn't apply to her daughter. But Well, they never do. Right. So she began kicking and throwing Sylvia around as well and bullying her. Clearly, like mother, like daughter. Yeah. And not just the one daughter, but 15-year-old Stephanie also got in on the abuse and torture of Sylvia as well. day after hearing some sort of rumor that Sylvia supposedly spread about her sister and her other sister being prostitutes, which by the way, okay, if Sylvia was actually spreading this rumor at school, it was probably in retaliation to the horrible way she was being treated at the house. But which and teenage girls spread rumors. (laughs) Yeah. And so Stephanie confronted her at their home and repeatedly punched her. And even Stephanie's boyfriend at the time, 15 year old Randy Hubbard, smacked her and bashed her head against the wall. Then, not wanting to feel left out, Gertrude got in on it and took the paddle to her after that. It was just absolutely horrible for her. Remember, this is a girl that is just supposed to be staying at a neighbor's house until her parents get home, you know? Yeah, what the fuck? And the torture and the torment continued. And get this, even neighborhood kids would come over specifically to beat and humiliate Sylvia. So much so that she really started to show outwardly the effects of the abuse she was getting. So well, yeah. Gertrude pulled her out of school. Of course she did. And Gertrude began using the wooden paddle to beat Sylvia in the genitals almost every day. She also For what? Because she had this weird fixation of Sylvia being a prostitute even though And I'm jumping the gun a little bit here. It was proven much later that Sylvia was actually a virgin. And she would beat her in the genitals all the time. She also burned the tips of her fingers with matches. And 
she even forced her to take a bath in scalding, almost boiling hot water. Oh, my God. This poor kid who didn't deserve any of this is just going through. She literally did nothing. No, she did nothing wrong. And this continued into the fall. One boy named Michael Monroe actually alerted Sylvia's school to the abuse. So the school actually sent the local nurse to the address and to check things out. Yeah. And? And, this, well, the school nurse got there and Gertrude lied, of course. She said that Sylvia had actually run away and she hadn't seen her in a matter of weeks. And that was that. They never followed up. On October 1st, Sylvia and Jenny's older sister, Diana, heard rumors that were kind of going around town at this point. And she found the address that the girls were staying at and attempted to see them. Mm-hmm. Now, she got to the door. Gertrude, of course, answered and told her that the girl's dad, Lester, had informed her that Diana was specifically not allowed to have contact with the girls, which, by the way, was complete and total bullshit. He never said that. Right. And she also demanded that Diana leave the property. (laughs) And by chance, a few weeks later, Diana happened to run into Sylvia's sister, Jenny, and she asked her how Sylvia was doing, to which Jenny replied, Quote, I can't tell you or I'll get in trouble. End quote. Oh, man. Well, and I'm sure just like low key, these other kids are probably pretty fucking like, obviously, they're not they're not going to want to say anything or do anything other than what she tells them, because they're probably thinking, well, I'm next. She's got them brainwashed. Yeah, they're they're terrified, especially Jenny. And this is where things, Emily, escalate even further. Probably, I can't imagine how it escalates even more. I know. And probably should have done this before, but definitely needs a trigger warning here. She was eventually denied the ability to even use the bathroom in the home. Mm-hmm. So, of course, if you're denied the ability to use the bathroom, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to use like you're going to. Yeah, she she wet herself. Yeah. And as punishment, Gertrude took her downstairs into the basement, stripped her. She's completely naked and tied her up. Almost like Jesus on the cross. And Sylvia was barely fed and she was only given enough water just to cling to life. I mean, it's crazy how quickly this escalated. Yeah. And here's what's even more horrifying. Apparently, you're not going to believe this. I This is baffles my fucking mind. Apparently, neighborhood kids were charged five cents apiece to go down into the basement to see Sylvia and to humiliate her. And they were even given the okay to beat mutilate and burn her emily what so she literally treated her like some fucked up sideshow 
attraction. Yeah. And like the kids were down. Like, because- did the kids actually do like hurt her? Was she conscious? Yeah. Yeah, she was conscious. They mutilated her. They burned her. They humiliated her. I mean, it was just pure torture for this poor 16-year-old yeah. girl. Ugh. And after they would leave, Gertrude would throw Sylvia once again into a scalding hot bath and literally rub actual salt into her wounds. You know that saying, that phrase, yeah. rubbing salt into the wound. She did that. Made it even worse, obviously. And just completely tormented this girl 24 hours a day. I hate that. I hate it. I hate this woman. I hate that she had to suffer through all of this. Of all the people, of all the people to have your kids stay with while you're out of town, this is the person that they're staying with. I mean, it was by far the worst person it could have been. And it got even worse after that. It got even worse. So possible. You know that TikTok sound? That's like, ooh, save me a slice. Yeah. Okay, that's good. That's good. It's enough slices. <laughs> that's how I'm feeling right, right now about hearing this yeah. because like it's just it's enough. I can't I can't imagine it's, it's too how much. It gets worse. I I told you this before we started recording. There's actually some that I'm leaving out because even though we're a true crime podcast, I can't even stomach myself to talk about some of this stuff. But possibly the worst of the worst came a few days later when Gertrude decided to punish Sylvia for wetting herself again. So, Emily, she took her into the kitchen. And she literally branded her like a rancher would brand a cow. Mm -hmm. And she branded her with the words, I'm a prostitute and proud of it with a heated needle. What? On her stomach. And then she would make fun of her afterwards and say, you're never going to get married now. You're never going to find a man because as soon as they see your stomach, they're going to know you've always been a prostitute. What a fucking... Su- Who even thinks right. about doing that? Well, and put yourself in Sylvia's mind. Can you imagine the horror that she's going through? No. When that hot needle is being pressed on her flesh like that? With two whole ass sentences. I thought yeah. maybe you were just going to say like sh- like she took a cigarette burner type, you know, Mm-mm. thing and stuck it to her. But she literally branded her with half a yeah. novel. What the fuck? So, obviously her parents knew nothing of no. this. And remember, this is the 60s. There's no internet. Right. There's no mass communication, anything like that. Yeah, but I mean, like, were they... They were forcing her to write letters okay. to her parents and, and like, saying she was like okay. And, everything was fine? Yep. Yep. Oh, my God. And when I started diving into this, Emily, I, I thought to myself, 
how the hell have I never heard of this story before? Until Latroya, our friend who sent this to me, had you ever heard about this? Because I hadn't. And yeah, I ha- I've heard about it yeah. just because like Wes and his family are from that area, Indiana, and I yeah. And so I was, in that like, area, it's just well known everywhere. Yeah, and it was mentioned to me, but I didn't know about the significance. Well, I didn't know like all the details. Right. I just knew that this young girl was tortured and killed. Yeah, and. Sadly, later that night, Sylvia was allowed to go upstairs to sleep, which was a privilege for her at that time. Mm -hmm. And remember, she had just been branded. She was malnourished. She was being beaten and humiliated on a daily basis. And her sister said, I don't want you to die. And... She said to her sister, Jenny, I know you don't want me to die, but I'm going to die. I can tell it. Oh, my God. Like, I'm honestly like, it's hard for me to get through this because when when you're just putting yourself in her shoes, that poor girl. Well, yeah, and it's like. Given everything you've said, and there's more that you've left out, yeah. like how how has she even survived? The fact that this long she was even able to endure this long is it's pretty remarkable, and she still had some fight left in her. Yeah, because at this point, how long has this been happening? Months. Yeah. She got there in July, and now we're into late October, and on oh October 25th, Silvio was in the basement again. And she happened to overhear Gertrude and her son, John Jr., discussing a plan to take her out into the woods and leave her to die and make it look like she was just a runaway who had died in the woods. Remember, she had told the school that Sylvia had ran away weeks before. Yeah. So when she heard that, she decided, I got to get the hell out of here. Right. She ran upstairs, tried to get out of the front door, but because of her extensive injuries, remember the burns that are across her, she had been stabbed with a knife in the leg. I mean, she had been beaten with that paddle almost every day. She was stabbed? Yeah. She wasn't strong enough to get away. She wasn't fast no. enough. And Gertrude caught her. And of course, when she caught her, she tortured her and she threw her back into the basement. And things really dis- deteriorated from there. Eventually, remember Stephanie, who had punched her and had her boyfriend punch her and everything? Yeah. She turned around a little bit and she showed remorse. And To her credit, she took Sylvia upstairs. She bathed her in a hot bath, not a scalding hot bath, but a a nice warm bath. She put some new clothes on her and she took her to her own bed and lied her down where Sylvia's last words were, quote, I wish daddy were here. That was the last thing she said. 
And oh my God. Emily, after she died, Gertrude strictly told all of her kids, including Jenny, by the way, to cover it up and say that Sylvia had been out running around with all kinds of boys and basically died being a whore. Wow. Well, the investigation and the autopsy proved otherwise. Absolutely. As it should. Yeah. And the autopsy of Sylvia's body revealed that she had suffered in excess of 150 separate wounds across her entire body, um, including many in her genitals. And as, as we mentioned before, remember how Gertrude constantly, Gertrude constantly called her a prostitute and said that she was pregnant and all that stuff. Well, the autopsy concluded that, um, she was a virgin and there's ways of finding that out. We won't go into that, but she had never had sex in her entire life. Um, not that we need to uh, try and uh, make, uh, you know, Sylvia seem better in this case because she was innocent from the beginning. Yeah. But Ger- Gertrude was just fucked up the entire time here. Well, and, you know, I bet she never even actually thought that Sylvia was pregnant and out running around. Like, she probably knew damn well. She just wanted to use it as an excuse. But, I mean, I it, guess. Yeah. I guess it was almost something in a sense. Maybe she was projecting because her own daughter was pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. And she was taking it out on this innocent girl. Yeah. Because she didn't want to inflict this pain on her own daughter. So like throughout all of her torture, she was never like sexually assaulted or raped. Not that I found. In fact, I was expecting that. So, in May of 1966, um, after deliberating for about eight hours, a jury of eight men and four women found Gertrude guilty of first-degree murder. As they should. And they recommended, right? Yeah, no-brainer. They recommended a sentence of life in prison. Uh, Paula was found guilty of second degree murder. Remember, she was the oldest daughter who was pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were a few others that I haven't got into too much. Hobbs, Hubbard, and John Jr. They were all found guilty of manslaughter in the case. As they um, should be. But on, on May 25th, Gertrude and Paula were formally sentenced to life in prison. However, Emily, they're were retrials after retrials, believe it or not. For wh- on what grounds? For well, what? You know how the legal system works. I know. And we don't have time to get into the minutiae here because that could be a separate podcast for itself. Yeah. But ultimately, despite a giant wave of public anger... Because this was all over the Indiana media yeah. at this time. Gertrude was eventually released on parole in 1985 
for good behavior. Mm. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I don't know if I've been ever been more upset about somebody getting released for good behavior than this. I mean, what more information do you need to have on hand to know that this person should never be allowed outside in society again? Right. What else do you need? You know? I am so mad. I, 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 I just can't believe it. Is she still alive? Well, we'll get to that. Did she die um, a horrible, painful, torturous death? Kinda. Good. So she actually relocated to my home state, which I was shocked to find this out, of Iowa. Yeah. Um, along with her daughter Paula, who by the way, Paula only served two years in prison. Two. And subsequently changed her name to Paula Pace. Now get this. Well, I would fucking change my name too. And Credit to my friend Latroya, who sent this to me. She let me in on this. Paula became a teacher, a teacher for many years in Iowa until it was discovered who she actually was, at which point she was terminated. Yeah. But it sounds like she still lives there with her two kids. Oh. I mean, of all the professions to choose... A teacher. Yeah. After Ma'am, you helped your psychotic mother beat and torture and murder a girl. Oh. Like, your little five minutes of redemption the day she died. Because that was her, right? Yeah. Yeah. Does not count. And she was happy about it. No, no, no. The redemption was her younger sister. I'm sorry. Stephanie. Oh. Paula had nothing to do with that. Oh, okay. Paula was just a bitch from the word there's, go. There's there's so many girls involved in the story. I can't. There's a know. lot of different ins and outs and characters <laughs> in this story. And um, so you asked if Gertrude died. She did uh, five years mm-hmm. after she was released in 1990 of mm-hmm. lung cancer. So that is a painful death. I, I can attest to that. My dad died of lung cancer. It's not a good death. So at least, you know, there's that. And at least she didn't get to live a long life right. outside of prison. And um, Sylvia's sister, Jenny, remember, mm-hmm. found a clipping of Gertrude's obituary and she actually mailed it to her mother. And she said this, quote, some good news, mom. Damn old Gertrude died. I'm happy about that. Sam, girl. Yeah. Uh, Jenny was on several medications after all of this happened for anxiety and depression. PTSD, uh, I'm sure. Yeah. It was it was just a reoccurring thing for the rest of her life. And she died in 2004 of a heart attack. But Sylvia didn't die in vain. In 2001, there was actually a big memorial that was made for her, that was erected in Indianapolis in her honor. Mm -hmm. Sylvia Likens' death is credited with the adoption of this thing called Indiana's Mandated Reporter Law. And basically, that's uh, kind of an understanding of an investigation and recognition of abuse. And it states that 
should any citizen suspect that a child is suffering abuse or neglect, that the citizen suspecting the abuse has a legal obligation to report that abuse to the authorities. Right. I have a question. Like, what What was her parents' reaction when they figured out what was actually going on? There's not a whole lot of information on that that I could find, other than the fact that they were shocked and mortified yeah. as to what happened. And um, I'm sure. immediately went to their attorneys to try and help put those responsible behind bars. And the sad thing is, Emily, remember when I told you about some of those neighborhood kids and yeah. people that would come down and humiliate and burn her? It feels like there were a lot of people that were left out of being prosecuted mm-hmm. in this, and they never were. Prosecuted? Yeah. Gross. Imagine... Though being one of those kids that participated. How could you even live with yourself? I don't know. Like, I'm sorry. When I was a kid, I still knew right from wrong. You know? Yeah. I could have never participated in something like that. Like, there is no way. There is no way. None of those kids went home and didn't tell their parents about it. Well, and that's the thing. That's why that law was passed. Yeah. Because, and a judge even said years later that, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically he said, you know, Sylvia's death is on all of us. Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that knew what was happening to her and that did didn't nothing. act. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, But... At least, again, her death wasn't in vain. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of children since her death who have been protected by this law. And that means that, you know, she's going to live on forever in that sense. And that's the story of the slow and torturous death of Sylvia Likens. And Emily, I got to say, after all of that, this was. One of the toughest ones for me personally mm-hmm. throughout all of the podcasts that we've done to get through. I think Pedro Lopez, if you remember that one, Obviously. was pretty tough. Everything he did, but this might even top that. Yeah. And in light of that, I think we are definitely, definitely due for a good old fashioned palate cleanse. Now it's time for the unnatural palate cleanse. Okay, I'm going to ask you something, and I want you to be honest. What is a palate? Where Emily and Andy bring you their own unique and offbeat tales of intrigue from around the world today. Okay, Andy. Our palate cleanse for today is going to be Christmas-themed. Well, that's appropriate because we're just a few days away. Yeah. Yeah. And I know all of our listeners may not celebrate Christmas, but um, we do. So I found an interesting article that ranked 
10 strange and slightly scary Christmas traditions from around the world. Ooh, I'm intrigued already. Let's get into it. Yeah, I don't know that they're necessarily ranked from weirdest and strangest to less weird and strange. But in my opinion, the number one is like, hmm. And the number 10 is like, yeah. So we're going to start at the bottom with number 10, which is one tradition in the U.S. that is um, drunk Santas. Hmm. Now, I don't think I've ever ran into a drunk Santa. Well, here's the thing. Americans will find any excuse to get drunk. Yes. We really will. So, well, a hand, I don't know how many years ago, but like in New York, they started the annual tradition of SantaCon. Hmm. And so people get dressed up as Santa Claus, you know, Mrs. Claus, elves, Whatever. Right. And it's basically like a huge bar crawl mm-hmm. in New York. Now there's. Sounds fun. Yeah. There's, you know, spinoffs that are all around the country, but like the original one took place in New York. So mm-hmm. people dressed up as Santa Claus are just running around getting drunk. Hence the drunk <laughs> Santa. Drunk Santa's everywhere. Yeah, number nine takes place in Italy. And what I didn't know is that instead of, you know, what we think of as Santa Claus, you know, the white beard, the outfit, the big, you know, fat, happy, ho, 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 old man, they have a Christmas witch named Buffina. I think that's Mm. how you pronounce it. She's friendly and she brings toys and candy to all of. The good children. I don't. Ooh. I know in America, Santa brings bad kids coal, but yeah. I don't. It doesn't say what she brings to the bad kids. Yeah, I got in coal once or twice. Same. <laughs> um, <laughs> and number eight is um, in the Ukraine. And the little kind of synopsis here says, if you find yourself in Ukraine around the holidays, you may be wondering, is it Christmas or is it Halloween? Trees are decorated with artificial spider webs and decorative spiders. Oh, my God. I want to move to Ukraine right now. (laughs) Yeah. So this sounds amazing. Yeah. So the tradition apparently comes from a tale where a mythical spider wove a web around a tree of a poor family. And then when the morning came, the white strands turned into precious metals and the family was then rich. So the webs um, now symbolize prosperity for the next year. Hmm. I think yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. cool. I Yeah, I dig that. Yeah. Now we are going to hop over to Iceland for number seven, Ooh. which is... About a cat. Ooh, a cat. We love cats, but maybe not this cat. Ooh. This is the Yule cat. An evil Christmas cat? An evil Christmas cat. Oh, my God. This is perfect. So the little synopsis here says, children who don't receive new clothes by Christmas Eve will devour by a mythical monster from Iceland folklore known as the Yule cat. So apparently it's a large and angry feline rumored to lurk in the snow. And Mm -hmm. the tradition comes from farmers who used the myth as incentive for their workers to finish 
processing the autumn wool before Christmas. Wow. Yeah. So the ones who took part in the work would receive new clothes, but those who didn't would get nothing and thus would be preyed upon by the Yule cat. Yeah. That cat got pissed off. You know, I it's it's not surprising that it's a cat. No. Let's be real. We Probably. were just talking about cats. <laughs> it's not gonna be a dog. That's for sure. It's definitely gonna be a cat in that instance. Yeah. 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 So in cats are just wired that way. They are. Um, number six is Norway. And mm. on Christmas Eve, Norwegians put away their brooms. Otherwise, legend says that an evil witch will come and steal them away if they are left out. Yeah, put those brooms away. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking like lack of broom, lack of cleaning. So I can just be like, "Mm, yeah, I don't have a broom. Hey, yeah, that's why the place is so messy. Not my fault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know. Number five is Sweden. So in... Sweden, every year, villagers in a small town build a 40-foot straw goat Mm. as a part of their Yuletime tradition. Now, what does a goat have to do with Christmas? Unsure, (laughs) but the tradition began in 1966, and basically they build the goat, and then they burn it, hit it with cars... Or apparently one time someone almost stole it with a helicopter. So. I don't know. I kind of want to Google. Do they just not like goats in Sweden or what? I don't know. I don't know. And I didn't. I mean, I could have probably gone on and on if I really looked too deep into these. So I'm really just reading off of this article, which I'll link in the show notes if anybody is um, curious about it. But. Just on a side note, I love goats. Goats are cool. Yeah. I ha- we goat story. Um, when I was a junior in high school, I think a goat was just randomly dropped off at my house. Mm-hmm. Wow! And we kept it until she died, like a few years ago. Oh my god! It's amazing. She's she was just the token goat. Moving on. Number four, Greenland. Ooh, which is actually not green at all. It's not. By it's the way. It's full of ice. Yeah. And Iceland is green. And that's they did that on purpose to they try did. and get people to move there. They did. I heard that story. Mm-hmm. I remember that from a history class. Yeah. Anyway, over in Greenland, they have some quite unusual holiday cuisine. Some of the things they traditionally eat is raw whale skin, which is served with a side Mm -hmm. of blubber. Makes sense. Yep. That's what you can get there. (laughs) Another Christmas treat is... um, Oh, boy. Kiviak? Kiviak? Is that something to do with caribou or what? No, it is auk birds stuffed into seal skin, Mm. left to ferment for half a year. And then it's like a delicacy. I'll try it if you try it. I'll try it. I'll try anything. I'll try almost anything once. Okay. I'm going to hold you to that. Okay. Number three in South Africa, 
You know, the tradition where you leave cookies and milk out for Santa to have as a snack when he comes down your chimney? Yeah, usually I just eat it all, but yeah. Well, if you were in South Africa, you would get in big, 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 big trouble Uh because to keep children from snacking on Santa's cookies, parents tell their kids a story about a boy named Danny or maybe Andy (laughs) who ate all of Santa's cookies and really angered his grandmother. And in her rage, she killed him. And now their ghosts haunt houses during Christmas time. I would totally end up being a ghost in South Africa then. Tragic. <laughs> Tragic. Mm-hmm. Guatemala. Ooh. The Guatemalans are into like spirits and bad juju. So in order to, you know, how we might get a sage stick and kind of like sage the bad energy away from get the bad spirits out. Yeah. Um, what Guatemalans do for the new year is they do a full house cleanse in December and the dirt and dust is gathered from every home in every neighborhood and like put into a big pile And a devil statue is built on top of the offering of dirt, and they burn it. And it is said that all of the bad omens, spirits, energy goes up in flames with the devil statue. I like that. I think we need to implement that. I like that, too. I'm down. And finally, on our super exciting list, we are going to be talking about whales. So, I, I forgive me if I'm pronouncing this wrong, but the Mari Lud is a wassailing folk custom in South Wales where a villager from the town is chosen. And what the chosen one does is they have a horse's skull that is decorated with ribbons and flowers i assume paint maybe some jewels i don't know but they mount it they put it on top of a pole and they parade through the streets on christmas eve and then the person who is carrying this has like a white sheet draped over them so like it it holds the person so it just kind of looks like the horses clumping through the streets i don't know why i'm like doing this motion like i'm carrying a pole but Especially for the auditory experience, since folks can't see you, but uh, I'm finding this. But you can, and that's what matters. (laughs) I can, and I find it fascinating. So out of all of these 10, which one do you think you would like to implement for your Christmas festivities? Definitely the Ukrainian spooky tree. Yeah. Because I will look for any reason to... Continue Halloween. Yes. <laughs> right. But I think... If only, if only we could continue it into like Groundhog Day and Easter, that'd be great. Yeah. I think I would really like to experience, though, the Swedish one with the burning goat. Like, I have questions. Yeah. I want to know what that's all about. And like the picture that they that they put, that they used on this list, like it looks like there's tons of people present wow. to watch yeah, this. So, like, it's a big thing. We're going to have to put that on the socials. Yeah. And speaking of socials, how can folks find us on the social media? 
They can find us on Twitter at UnnaturalThePod. Instagram is UnnaturalThePodcast. We have a Facebook page, Unnatural, a true crime podcast. You can send us a Gmail, UnnaturalThePodcast at gmail.com with love letters, hate mail, story ideas, anything. We'll take it. Stories, whatever. And um, we also have a Patreon page. We do have a couple or we have one bonus episode on there right now, plus some funny outtakes and other behind the scenes content. That is patreon.com slash unnatural pod. And as always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow and share us with your friends. By the way, Emily, I was thinking I'm going off the cuff here, but I was thinking maybe in the new year we could start a new segment called the mailbag segment because we get different messages and mail from people and we're, we we're not always able to do every episode that they suggest, but it would be nice to acknowledge them. So maybe we'll start doing that into the future because there's been a couple of them that we've been intrigued by. And like this one that we latest that we just did from our friend Latroya, it took a couple months to come you know, into fruition because it takes a while for you and I to put these episodes together. So maybe we'll start acknowledging those people in the future. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a bad idea. So we've got next week off for the holidays, but then we've got one more pod before 2022. And Emily, I'm not putting pressure on you, but we have had... A whole lot of podcasts. In fact, this is our 30th podcast. How about that? That. Congratulations to us. I didn't even realize it until just a few moments ago, but we've done 30 already. We've done almost as many episodes as years I've been alive, and that kind of is giving me an existential crisis, and I hate it. Now, I want to. I want you to be completely honest with me right now. No. No? Bullshit. Be honest with me. All right. When we conceived this, which was about a year ago, we started putting this together. And then we first put our first episode up in April of this year. Did you think that we would make it to 30 episodes? Yeah. Okay, good. So did I. Because I was thinking that we could literally have five subscribers and listeners and we would just right. keep going we could have zero listeners and yeah. we would still be putting this out just because it's fun it is and yet we don't necessarily care about how many listeners we have but it's super awesome that we're getting listeners from all over the world and we so so appreciate all of you liking and subscribing to our podcast and that's why we keep doing it because we feel like we can kind of tell stories in a different way. And we like the fact that, well, you like that too. And that makes us feel good inside. It does. At least me. Gives me that warm feeling inside. Not very many things give me the warm and tinglys, but this certainly does. That's what she said. I am she. That is what she said. Next time you hear from us... I will be talking to you about the murder of Miranda Fenner. Mm. It's a bit of a doozy. Okay. So 
you've given us some doozies before. Pull so. up your bootstraps. I don't have bootstraps. What do I do? Put on your secondhand socks. <laughs> I've got those. Good. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready. But in the meantime, make a choices. And don't get got. traveling back to 1965 Emily hold on I just lost my fucking place great way to start it you literally just started how did you already lose your place it should be at the very because my mouse like went out of control Jesus what Betty was arrested and thrown in jail for shoplifting. Uh-oh. Whoops. Did you ever do any shoplifting as a kid? No comment. <laughs> I was an accessory once, but I didn't do it myself. you something and I want you to be honest what is a palette 